0: Welcome back to Design Huddle, a podcast for creative professionals looking to level up. This podcast is hosted by myself, Ryan Warnder, a UX designer based in New York City, and my co host, Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500s. This podcast is the intersection of design, business, people, and just possibly the next big idea. We interview designers, thought leaders, co founders, influencers, and sometimes just our friends from Instagram. If you like design, the internet, or storytelling, this just might be your new favorite podcast. We have a ton of incredible episodes and content coming out soon, so please subscribe. And for now, let's dive into today's episode of Design Huddle. All right, guys, today we are going to be talking about a very popular topic prototyping. So why this topic? Let's step back and set the scene. So Brendan and I were catching up and, you know, obviously in preparing for Design Huddle every week, we consume a ton of articles. And in particular, you know, it wasn't just the articles. It was also people hitting us up on, you know, Instagram saying like, you know, i super confused about different types of prototyping and just general best practices. So we just wanted to kind of, you know... Start from the very beginning of what prototyping is and set the scene of, like, how we got here. So it's no surprise at the same time while everyone is confused about prototyping. A prototype can be defined as, like, almost anything. It could be a series of sketches. It could be different screens. It could be someone literally editing every pixel to be perfect, you know, on a website. So... Today you'll you'll leave knowing what it is, the goals of it, and the different types, and maybe even you know when is the best time to use a low fidelity versus a higher fidelity prototype. But but Brandon, before I introduce what is prototyping, what's your general thoughts of like what people think about prototyping?
1: I don't even think it really needs too much of a in-depth explanation. It's just um, just like right now I'm I'm kind of reading what is it Art of the Start and. In right now in pitch context, just like an image is worth a thousand words, a prototype is worth. um, In this case, this book says 10,000 slides, which basically means it informs people a lot. It gives people a lot of context. So prototyping is extremely important to give context to whether you're trying to sell somebody on an idea or to just give to your actual dev team or people you're working with context on what it is that you have in your mind and want to create.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love that. I think that's a good, a good way of thinking about it. Um, so, you know, the textbook definition of prototyping, you know, is a, is a simulation or sample version of a final product, which is used to test prior to launch. So there's a lot there, but basically you're trying to make a representation of what your product will look like. And, you know, ultimately you want to get tested with users and the goals of prototyping. There's a few, um, the number one is that you want to save as much time and money as much as possible. That's like the idea behind prototyping, um, as well as you want to f- you want to find any usability issues before launching the product. So typically when you're doing prototyping, you're also constantly jotting down notes of all the little things, of all the little issues that you could have done better the next time. So it's very rare you create a prototype, and that's ultimately what you end up shipping. So, um, and then the last one is, you know, it'll reveal any areas where you need to like, you know, improve it. You can give it to real users. You can get feedback from other you know, team members. And it really gives you an opportunity to take out some of the guesswork and feel much more confident when you hand it off to a team for development. So, you know, those are the general goals. Um, obviously there's other things, other value of prototyping, but, um, brendan, and when you when you prototype, is there any other things that you're looking to get out of it?
1: No, I think you really you landed it on the head. I think for those of you guys, just again in like in my head bullet point as we 're talking, I like to organize and respit back out you know for prototypes, the things really the people that touch a prototype are like you mentioned the the users, your internal project team or an external customer if you're an agency. And it's to for user in the user's case to communicate back to your team the usability issues, which you are then able to take back internally and work with your project team to spit something back out to the users and have that, you know, back and forth feedback loop to continuously better your product. And on I, I just kind of want to make that distinction. There's a lot of ways to use the tool of a prototype and the different type of people that will touch it in the type of feedback loops that you'll have, depending on who you're using the prototype to communicate with.
0: Yeah. And that's like, let's, let's take that a little one step further. So let's say you and I wanted to create like an e com site to sell, you know, design huddle t-shirts, right? Hmm. So you and I come up with the idea, we come up with the concept and then a the business case what is the value of us, you know, creating actual t-shirts? You know, it's good marketing. It's good to give back to our fans. It's good to give back, you know, to actually have another monetization stream. So the, that's the business case. Mm-hmm. So once you have a business case, that's when you take the concept and when you have a valid business case, which means, all right, it's worth us taking the time to spin up an e-com store to build it. You and I both agree that there is a business justification for why we should do this. Um, from there, that's when we get into prototyping. So, a lot of times prototyping happens with just individuals, but what would actually be the most effective is if you and I, you know, were sitting down next to each other and we started very low fidelity. You know, we just kind of got some a pen and a mock-up of like what we potentially like. Another thing that I recommend that a lot of people um, don't do during prototyping, but I think is effective and I've seen other designers do this, is kind of think of it like a Pinterest inspiration board. Find other designs or other things to inspire you as a starting point to kind of get the gears churning. And then from that, you can kind of take a lot of the UI elements and kind of start with your own baseline, you know, sketches. Um, and then just to kind of complete the process, so that was the prototyping piece. After the prototype, you handed off the development. So, you know, we would either code it from scratch or use a CMS, like, you know, Squarespace. Um, uh, we'd ship it or like, you know, publish it so that everyone could reach the domain. We would eventually monetize, make money from it. And then ultimately, that's the whole cycle of like, you know, what the prototype did is it justified us to quickly, you know, make a site that we felt, you know, met the needs and users were able to buy shirts effectively. So that's kind of like, you know, one way to look at it. And we touched, I touched there very briefly, but there's a scale of, of this something called like low fidelity versus high fidelity. So when you think low fidelity, think of like you have a piece of paper and a pen and you're literally just like designing what you think the user should be seeing when they land on a site that's as low fidelity as you can get literally picking up a pen and paper a lot of times people use like you know thicker markers and different types of pens to kind of you know show some depth um i've seen actually really incredible low fidelity prototypes on the flip side on the other end of the opposite end of the spectrum is literally html javascript and css you're coding a website so um, there's tons of stuff in between, so we'll touch a little bit more on what are, this, what are some of the other ones, but um, one last thing that I wanted to kind of highlight here is prototypes t- typically have four main qualities. Number one is that it's a representation. It's an actual form of the prototype. And, and if you guys want to read more about this, I got this from the UX Collective. Um, they did a really good job breaking out like what actually makes up a prototype. So representation. The actual form of a prototype. Is it paper? Is it mobile? Is it HTML? Is it for desktop? The next is precision. The fidelity of the prototype, meaning its level of detail, its polish, its realism do you want you know do you want it to be super polished or is it supposed to just be scrappy to get your idea across a lot of times if, if it was me and you and we were catching up for coffee it would be a very low fidelity you know quick mock up of saying like, hey this is what i think our t-shirt page should look like yeah. the next the third the third you know quality is interactivity so you know do you want the user to be able to kind of navigate and actually feel how they use obviously you can't really do that with paper i've seen some people kind of do different methodologies typically when you're talking interactivity that's when you get into using you know some sort of software and lastly is the evolution the life cycle of a prototype typically you build these quick they're tested they're thrown out and then you start the process over you know rapid prototyping is a mindset where you're constantly getting feedback you're tweaking it and you're making it better and better and better and so ultimately the snowball is big enough and it's you know and it it meets all the needs of you know what the the final product is that you were trying to develop in the first place. So representation, precision, interactivity, and evolution. I think UX Collective does a really good job breaking out those qualities. And then we talked also about low fidelity versus high fidelity. Low fidelity, scrappy, quick and dirty. High fidelity, you know, probably sitting behind a computer and, you know, taking some time to, you know, actually code out something completely. Where people spend most of their time is in the middle. This middle fidelity piece is where... We have seen an explosion of software out there that i'm sure many of you have used so um yeah i mean brendan anything anything to add there in terms of like when to do low fidelity when to do high fidelity um or even the qualities that i i brought up with uh, ux
1: collective i really like the four qualities that you you laid out the representation the precision um you know do you want it to be interactive or not and also the evolution of it i think these are really really important things to keep in mind um, in regards to what exactly, what type of imp or uh, feedback do you want back from putting this prototype out into your users? So really what I kind of want to talk about is the mid-level, because this is actually different ranges, especially talking to a lot of designers. High and low to, I feel, UI designers, they think low is just paper, and then high fidelity is just like you've mock something up digitally and then put it into, you know, a prototyping software online and then sending it to somebody. And that's hi-fi. Whereas, you know, we're bringing in, in this conversation, HTML, CSS, something that takes a lot more time in actual development. And I feel there's been conversation about this on, uh, you know, on Instagram also where there was talks about paper prototyping and not just pen and paper, but you have basically developed the paper. Where you're using exacto knives and shit <laughs> to cut things out. I'm, oh I'm, wow, I haven't
0: actually seen. I haven't seen the, that too much. To me, that just feels like way too much work. I, I think people also just like it for the creative process. You know what I mean? It's like people are always in front of computers. So I think designers like any opportunity to like step away from a digital interface. So I get that piece. I get like the like, you know the camaraderie and the team building part of doing that. Yes. But to me, I just feel like the investment and in time is not going to be worth the output. And I also feel like it might be slightly difficult to do rapid iterations with that, um, depending on like, you know, I I, got, I would have to see more in person, but um, that's like one of my biggest concerns. And you hit the nail on the head, right? Like medium, this medium fidelity prototype is basically the mixture of text and UI elements. Um, this is like really kind of what you would see as like a first cut where you you have a clear idea of like you know where the hamburger menu is where the title of where the you know the company logo is where the hero image is where the call to action buttons are you know where the copy would go um, all of these elements is typically what you would get in a medium you know fidelity um, going from medium to high there again there's a ton of different ranges of how, how how much you want to tweak it like one way to think about it is instead of having like a beautiful you know um a a beautiful button that is you know perfectly designed you just put a box you just put a square box there with you know uh with a label that says like call to action so you don't even think of the verb that you're using you're just stripping out and you're making it very basic in order to get it uh to get across so um to your point though like there's sketches you can do mock-ups which is basically like in between medium fidelity and then you have high fidelity which is basically high fidelity prototypes are your like one you're one tick away from being an actual finished product. So, medium fidelity is where UXers like to live because it typically is where you get the most value from your users and because it's a digital interface if you're using a tool, it's much easier to kind of make a copy, start from scratch and you can actually document all of the progress you've made from the start of the day or the start of the session to the end of the session.
1: Exactly. And I really have to I I really like how you kind of uh, set not how you separated the difference between team collaboration and brainstorming versus prototyping to build, to actually test and iterate on. In addition to looping in one of the main, um, I'm calling it properties because I forgot the other big word that you used to say that UX Collective used, but the representation. I feel like a lot of these, uh, I'm not sure if they're schools or colleges or whatnot that are teaching these high fidelity paper prototypes, but where you're the representation isn't even correct, right? If we're talking lo-fi, um, mid-fi type of, or at least how we've described them here, lo-fi, or excuse me, mid-fi prototypes. If we're doing digital representation, whether it be desktop or mobile, and we're showing our t- our you know our users and customers to get feedback, we're testing digital prototypes. Or if we're trying to build digital prototypes, we want to test digital things, not show people big models of you know cutouts of a mobile phone where you're sliding cards where you have to cut out squares to represent cards I yeah and I do I do want to kind of give that some credit but I want to give it credit in the correct way so guys what I'm trying to say here is is that there's a time and a place for digital prototyping and lo-fi prototyping so Early in the ideation stage, paper is the best. It's quick and dirty. You can easily communicate with somebody, ideas back and forth, and nothing's really concrete. When you guys are starting to, you know, get closer to finalizing some ideas, that's when you can start getting to mid and high. The more concrete and more sure of your idea, the more high fidelity it gets. So that's why when they're, especially if you're working at an agency or you're, you know, doing collaborative. Uh, or brainstorming events i have seen uh, just to make the events more fun people making these uh, brainstorming collaboration events with their their customer who they're trying to build a platform with they bring in like they make it arts and crafts day where they're like hey guys you know we're coming in we you, we are your agency of choice we're gonna talk about you know in ideate what exactly this platform can look like so they pull out the scissors they pull out the sticky notes and shit and they have a, you know, an art day. So I can understand how that from a, you know, a fun perspective and having. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. listen, it
0: gets people thinking it's like yeah. a way to like, I'm, I'm all for that. Like, I think there's yeah. some, there yeah. is like, there is some, like, I guess, like spillover benefits of doing it that way. But let's be honest. Like if you're a free, if you're a free, if you're a freelance, if you're doing freelance by yourself and, you know, your time is, yeah. you're, you're super, you know, micromanaging your how, your de- how your day looks you're just not going to do it mm-hmm. and like like one one of the frameworks that i've heard before is like if you think of it like in qu- four quadrants right so you have high fidelity and low fidelity on like you know uh, vertically and then horizontally it's like you know scrappy or partial and then fully complete as the horizontal so high fidelity and scrappy is when you're trying to sell an idea you're trying to get you know you know, typically it's a client, a goal, but it's usually a presentation. If you want low fidelity and partial, it's usually just like a proof of concept, like an internal team, like what well, like I was talking about earlier, you and I sitting next to each other and sketching it out on paper. Yeah. Um, low fidelity and complete is the test like logic. So if you're trying to get, you know, if you're trying to really make sure that a process works end to end, that's when you would do that. And then obviously a high fidelity and total complete is when you would do user testing. That's when you would actually have like a beta of a product that you would run by someone. So, um, you know, those are just some ways to think about it. And then like, if we talked about this during our, um, with Zach, we talked a little bit about the design sprint process. And if you've done ever been a part of a design sprint, there's an exercise that a lot of, um, facilitators like to do called the crazy eights, which is, um, you take like, you know, a piece of paper, you break it into eight boxes, you set a timer for eight minutes, and then you do eight quick ideas. Um, you know, on each on each of the on each of the quadrants and then you share the stories and people vote on which feature or which um element of the design that you like the best. So a lot of times like that is basically like a low fidelity way of prototyping that's baked into a design sprint. People don't think of that as prototyping, but that is as low fidelity as you can get. So um so yeah, I then like the, the you know the last the last piece that, you know, I wanted to make sure that we, we hit on um was you know, just to really iterate on like why it's important to prototype. Of course, there is times when people skip prototyping, but there's the, the underlying reasons of why it's important to prototype and why it's, good to be, why it's important to be good at prototyping is you can limit the expenses of development. So you're making less errors when you're actually having engineers coding. You can test the design concepts and you can test the usability. If you can do those three things well, and you can be, and you can be someone that can facilitate the prototyping process. That is an incredibly valuable skill that you know every team can benefit from in almost every vertical and you know and in, in any industry. So, um, yeah, I, I, and just as for from like my own, you know, I, I was, just from my like you know, personal background is, um, I've always been like middle fidelity prototyping. I've I've always gotten kind of frustrated by low fidelity unless I'm literally sitting with someone and collaborating and kind of just really quickly trying to sketch out an idea. Um, I just like being, I feel more comfortable behind a computer and a mouse. And I just like the idea, like in it, you can quickly copy and paste, change colors quickly. And I feel like I can get a higher quality to get my idea across, um, much faster. So, I mean, if there's, if there's one of these that I feel most comfortable with it's for me, it's middle foot, you know, this medium fidelity right in the middle um, cause I'm also like not an engineer and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to code, you know, a, a lightweight website to test an idea either. So I'm, I'm assuming that's your sweet spot too. If you had to, if you, cause I know you have a, obviously a strong background with the Adobe suite. Um, but um, yeah, I just, w- w- which, which type of fidelity are you the most comfortable with low, medium or high?
1: Definitely medium because like, that's where, that's the best spot to that is the spot to begin to communicate your idea with anybody you can start semi testing with it possibly um you can semi you can communicate your ideas to your team but if you have scribbles on a paper like I cannot tell you how frustrated I am people are like um sending me screenshots of what they drew I'm like shorty what it, stop what <laughs> that's when I'm like all right you know what I just need to come sit next to you and it it's okay if I'm there and we're talking about it and we're drawing it because I have the same picture in my head that is going through your head because we're at least talking through it. But if I have no context and you send me three boxes on a, on a napkin.
0: Yeah, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the other thing is that people a lot of times when you're doing sketches, if you're not a really good artist, you end up documenting a ton. So you're like, writing, you're like handwriting what you're actually trying, you're describing versus just telling someone when you're sitting next to them so um cool moving on to the last two two buckets is you know prototyping general things practice makes perfect no surprise here it takes a while to get good at it um so you know just keep trying it i I do think it's important i do think it's important to figure out like when is the right and when is it not the right time to do it um and the other time is don't be crippled by like you know perfection Uh, prototypes are not meant to be perfect they're meant to be scrappy they're meant to be quick they're meant to be as a way to get uh, feedback and validation. Um, and then lastly is just, you know, we're, Brendan and I are always trying to, like, you know, up-level the community by giving you guys other additional resources. Um, we'll, we're going to start doing a better job of linking them in our show notes um, for each episode. But uh, just, you know, where you can get more prototyping you know, skills. Obviously, if you have a mentor or someone that does it where you work, great. Uh, go to meetups, meet other designers. Those are always the best you know having people in person and getting a mentor. We've talked about that before in the past. Um, if not, there's plenty of online online courses, of course. Um, InVision has some. Uh, there's Skillshare, Coursera, and Hack Design are all four four really good ones that you know I've seen before. Um, I've taken a Skillshare one in the past and it was it was pretty good. It was a good refresher for me as someone that doesn't do as, as much as I, as, I, as I used to. Um, any other, any other resources or recommendations other than our, you know, of course, follow our, all of our Instagram friends that we've interviewed in previous episodes, obviously.
1: That is it guys, Ryan, unless you have anything else to say, guys, do not forget if you have somehow got here and did not listen to anything that we said, congratulations. (laughs) I don't know how you did that, but the four points I want to leave you guys with is, or we want to leave you guys with is to practice for the love of whatever, um, you believe in the universe, steal what looks good or you think can work i'm tired or people are tired of seeing or people trying to create new things from like thin air steal and add your two cents or your dollar whichever you prefer the dollar probably has more value than the two cents but add something to it Um, and remember a prototype is just a tool and ryan said it best to get feedback and to collaborate so that is my four points for you guys practice steel And prototype is a tool for feedback and collaboration.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Please make sure you share it with your friends. Subscribe. Uh, We really appreciate it. And we will catch you on the next episode of Design Huddle. Thank
1: you. Peace. And two more reviews. I need to see two more reviews by the end of whenever you hear this. So that means if there's 700 people that listen to this, that means I should see 700 times two. I think that's the. You know what? (laughs) Some <laughs> I'm a designer, guys. I'm not. I'm not a mathematician. Yeah, just, just
0: leave. Just leave us reviews, fam. All right, we'll Peace. catch you. Bye. Peace, guys. Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brendan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in, and please feel free to share this episode.